three, two, one. This is Zulu time, episode number 11, the secret weapon used by the Navy SEALs. This is Dr. Z here, live from Hawaii. Uh, and today we're going to talk about the secret weapon used by the Navy SEALs. So, and, 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 and why is this important for us? And why should anybody care about the secret weapon used by the Navy SEALs? It is pouring down here. In the big island of Hawaii, it's, it's like a freight train. Uh, and so you will hear the rain in the background, which is pretty loud. And I love it up here. We're here in the mountains. If you ever come up here in a little town, it's a coffee village. And uh, when it rains, it pours. And so we're talking about today, which is pretty uh, good with the theme that when it rains, it pours, right? When something goes bad in our lives, we know that the whole thing comes down. Um, so, so, so why is this important? Well, I'm going to tell you a, a little story. When I used to play soccer, I, um, we won this tournament. I was so proud of, of winning this tournament. I was so proud that I did something against my morals, right? Uh, I took the, the tournament uh, trophy and I took it to my house. I love that thing. I got like Uh, I got an award in the, in the game. I scored some great goals, and I was just feeling so good about myself. But I took this trophy home, right? And, and I took the trophy home, and I took it too long, right? And so, you know, something that I'm not proud of, it wasn't morally right uh, because it was the team's trophy. I was supposed to take it back to school. So everybody bugged me about this trophy, about this trophy, about this trophy. And then at the end of the year, we had a party, Right? And in that party, I brought the trophy back. Finally, I said, you know, let me take the, the trophy back. And so then the coach, as a gift to me, because it was like my senior year, gave me the trophy back to me to keep. And so I was like so static. I mean, I couldn't believe it, right? Because I was so happy. And I left that trophy in the top of a car, right? I left it in the top of a car. And even thinking about it makes me like, God. But I think that was the first time I had a panic attack. I've never had like an anxiety, like uneasiness, unsettledness. And so I went home that night and I couldn't sleep. I was so like worked up about this, right? And it really, I couldn't sleep at all. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. And at the next day, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't come to grasp of why somebody would do that, why somebody did that. And so I learned a couple of lessons from there. The first lesson was that, you know, I, met, I, I didn't initially, I kept this trophy too long. And so I kind of deserved it, you know. And then secondly, that it took my sleep away, that, it allowed, that I allowed my thoughts, my recurring thoughts to overwhelm me that night. I couldn't even sleep, right? And so since that moment, I made a commitment to myself that never again will I ever allow my thoughts to overcome and to like take my health or take my sleep. Um, and so I remember that very vividly. Um, and so, so why am I bringing this up? Well, because if we talk about chronic conditions, one of them is anxiety and depression, right? And so as I wanted to understand all of uh, this anxiety and depression, externally I knew that I hit a roadblock because I saw that the patients were getting prescriptions 
for these diseases, but they were coming back to the office not getting a lot of results. They were not overcoming depression. They were not overcoming anxiety. They were not overcoming these illnesses. And many times they ended up back at the hospital and then, you know, okay, now it's time to try two depression medications. Now it's time to try three depression medications. And that it has not been shown by the science actually to be any two medications in depression is not showing any benefit whatsoever to one. And one has not shown any benefit to actually other stuff that we're going to be talking about here. So, so that was like the external struggle. And then inside, first of all, I thought that like anybody with depression, anxiety, anything like that, you know, from growing up where I grew up, I thought that it was kind of just in your head, right? And so I didn't think too much about it. I didn't think it was kind of real. It was just, I didn't think that. Um, and, and then the tools that were useful to actually deal with these issues, I started realizing um, I did, you know, I was very opposed to those tools at the beginning of my life because of where I grew up. It was a pretty rough environment and everything has to be real or not or or you have these self-limiting beliefs. And so, and so I just dove deep into, you know, how to really try to help these patients um, with anxiety, with depression, with suicidality. And, you know, one time I was actually, um, and so, so as I went through do this, I just dove, I just realized that a lot of it had to do with thought patterns. And, and so then I had to understand how to like break into these thought patterns, help the patient see the thought patterns, and then recreate new thought patterns in this patient so that they would not have um, anxiety, depression, because then they would create the habits that would actually create the biochemistry to, to have a healthy body and mind. And so I just dove deep into all of this. And I remember one time I was in an um, event called Date with Destiny which was an awesome event. It's put on by a guy, Tony Robbins. And um, in one of these events, there is a day about business. There is a day about relationship. Each one of these days are awesome. You get a bunch of insights uh, you know, you know, from people who've built billion dollar companies and they're just sharing with you uh, their insights and people who have great relationships and they're sharing, you, sharing with you uh, all of these insights. And one day was about suicide. And so he, he, he said, okay, raise your hands. You know, it's quite expensive to go to these seminars. Most everybody in there have, has a business and, you know, they're pretty kind of um, successful. And, uh, and, and you would think that they're like peak performers, so they must not have any issues. And then he said, you know, who out of you are suicidal? Who out of you are suicidal? And he said, raise your hand because it's about 10% of the room usually. And there is about 3,000 people there. So you're thinking, you know, 10 to 30 people were suicidal in that room. And sure enough, a lot of people rose their hand. You know, they raised their hand. And one of these guys was a business guy um, who built a multi-million dollar business. Sadly enough, tragically enough, actually, his wife had just hung herself a couple of weeks ago. So he did not know what to do with himself. He didn't know what to do with himself. After he experienced that, he didn't know what to do with himself. So, and his daughter was so worried about him that he was going to actually commit suicide and kill himself. He had no better outlook about life, right? And so he actually um, brought him onto stage and started question, 
uh, after question, asking him inquiry, 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 asking him questions about uh, what had happened and about how he looked at it and uh, all of this. And at the end of it, it was like three hours. And then at the end of it, the whole crowd gave him a big hug. It was like 3,000 people just like curled around him, including me. And by the end of it, the guy was like uplifted. He was looking forward to life. He was looking forward to creating a new chapter in his business. He was looking forward to like actually using this tragic event to connect more with people. Um, and so it was incredible to me to see that this suicide patient was actually taken care of and actually helped to heal in that three-hour process. When, you know, in the office, I would have just sent this patient to the emergency room and they would have put him in a lockdown unit and he would have been in a, in a horrible, sterile four uh, walls overnight and then gotten discharged probably a couple of days later when he said that, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to kill myself with a couple of pills in his pockets. And so I knew at that moment that I had to do something different, right? I had to do something different. And so, so I said, you know what, I'm going to now, I'm going to like share this with everybody and I'm just going to go share it and tell people about this. And of course I started doing that, but then I hit a roadblock. First roadblock is that, you know, it's not, it's unusual for a doctor to talk deep into a patient's issues and to go deep and try to help them actually within an hour overcome something. So that's unusual. And so you get a little bit of pushback and you get crazy looks and, um, but it's possible, you know, I've seen it and I've done it myself. And so it's possible now. And the more I do it and the more I get feedback from patients, you know, is I'm more encouraged every single day to do it. And so then, um, I started looking, okay, so how do we give tools to these patients to actually continue this work? Um, and so then I went on to look, okay, what, so what is the people who deal with the most intense fear there is, which is a lot of times, you know, the fear of being killed or the fear of being massacred or the fear of being like tortured. Uh, and so the Navy SEALs are one of them, right? And so it's pretty interesting when you look at the Navy SEAL and the Navy SEAL training, at the beginning of the Navy SEAL training, many people used to fail. Actually, like one quarter, I mean, like a tiny little bit of people actually passed out of the people who went into the SEAL training, right? And so you look at that. And so the, the SEALs, actually, the Navy SEALs were saying, okay, like, that's so crazy because we get these athletic guys who are ripped and who, like, do, like, triathlons and, and, and this and that, but they come in and they fail. They fail out. And then you got this like skinny guy from, you know, the town, you know, from a rural town up somewhere and they come and they pass the test, right, that week. And and so they they wanted to understand this. And so they partnered with Harvard, they partnered with Columbia University. They actually, the University of Puerto Rico did uh, help some of these studies and they actually developed, um, they realized what was going on in the brain, Right. And so what they realize is that we got a part of the brain that is, is responsible for overriding almost anything, and it's the amygdala. And that's the part that gives us fear. And that's the part that gives us fear and actually reproduction, right? Like the desire to reproduce. And it deals with those emotions and is very fast, instantaneously. It sends a bunch of signals to the brain. And so it was once thought that once you created a fear, once the amygdala sent a signal to the other part of the brain, 
about fear, it was once thought that that fear will be always there for that person. And then, so then what happens, right? The amygdala then sends a signal to the cortex, which is like the second floor of the brain. The second floor of the brain is responsible for our thought pattern, our planning, right? And so then, you know, if you have intense fear, if your amygdala is telling your whole body, you're about to die, like your existence in this world is about to end. Then it sends all these signals to your brain and then starts the thought pattern. Like, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. I'm about to die. This is the end of me, right? That sends then through a many hormonal mechanisms the release of epinephrine, norepinephrine, and, and all these hormones that actually make you less, uh, make you less uh, sensitive to pain, uh, enhance your awareness. Actually, it slows time down. So like they've done exercises where they throw people out of planes and they put these goggles on somebody who's on the ground and somebody who's falling through the sky. And when they, tie, and, and when they, they flash little letters in these people's eyes in these goggles and the people who are falling through the sky actually perceive the flashing in front of them as being slower than it actually is. So it actually kind of like makes your brain slow time down, right? It's incredibly interesting. And so they start tapping into this. They know that once we have fear, then this fear goes to the cortex, and then all these chemicals get released. Our heart starts beating out of our chest. We start sweating. We get more blood to the muscles that we need. Um, it sounds like a. It sounds like it sounds like something that is familiar, right? Like a panic attack. That's what that is, right? The whole mechanism of thought. And so, and it's not only a panic attack, but it's a fear. And so the Navy SEALs they used to do training quick where they put blindfolded and then when you open your blindfold, there was a guy point at your gun, uh, a gun point at your head or, and so that you would have to react right away. Right. And take down that person. Uh, or if they held down uh, the eyes, then if they opened their eyes, then there would be like a kid saying like, Oh, don't kill me. So they would have to like take care of that kid, but instantaneously because they don't do it, then they're going to get killed. Right and their and their and their other person. So, so what they so so that was the training. A lot of the training that was going on. What they started realizing is like, okay, how can we make more people? How can we make more Navy SEALs pass this test? How can we make them pass this test more? Right. And what they realized then after all of these studies, they say, wow, we need to focus in four things that make the most difference throughout all these studies. So they came up with the core four. And the core four is actually what is called goal setting, goal setting, uh, mental rehearsal, goal setting, mental rehearsal, self-talk, and arousal control. So goal setting, mental rehearsal, self-talk, and arousal control. So goal setting, why is this so important? Well, goal setting is so important because... Um, the first thing that they do is actually they put you in a very chaotic situation, right? In a very chaotic situation. They put Navy SEALs in a very chaotic situation so that their brain is overwhelmed. And overwhelm is just another word in business, in health, in crazy tragedies like this or in crazy uh, situation. Overwhelm, that only means that the brain doesn't know what to focus on first. That's all overwhelm means. So if you ever feel overwhelmed, what that means is that you got a lot of shit going on 
all you got to do is organize it and prioritize it and focus on one thing, right? And so that's overwhelm. So the crazy thing is that they put them on these situations and one of the main things that they grain in them is like, or reorient yourself to the new reality. Reorient yourself to the new reality. Whatever happens, this is what's happened now, right? You can't change it. Something horrific happens, like reorient yourself to the new reality. Because that then allows you to move forward to the goal setting. And the goal setting is so important because it allows your mind to organize the fear from the amygdala and organize the frontal cortex into a planning focus one thing, right? So it's not overtaken and overwhelmed by the chaos going around you. So goal setting is so important, right? Mental rehearsal is the other thing, right? If you think of something, and um, who's the best person? Uh, Phelps is actually one of the guys who talks about this all the time. He mentally rehearses in his brain the, the races over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Mike Tyson did it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, what is that other boxer uh, that was uh, Muhammad Ali? He used to say, yeah, I beat this guy already in my mind. And so that mental rehearsal, why is that so important? Because if you run through it in your brain, when you actually do it in reality, it's actually the second time you approach that situation. It's actually the second time you approach that situation. So it takes the edge off of it, right? And so mental rehearsal is so, 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 so important, right? And then the next thing, we have goal setting, mental rehearsal. Uh, we have self-talk. Why is this self-talk important uh, for the Navy SEALs? Because they know that once the amygdala gets triggered, it goes up to the cortex and then shit goes crazy, right? Because we have, uh, we read about so many, a hundred, uh, our brain has so many thoughts a minute. And so you have to take control because the amygdala is going to send that reaction to the cortex and it's going to use your own experiences and what you, where you are right there to make that real, to prove that through thoughts, right? And so, and so they do this through mantras. One of the ones that they have is uh, details matter, details matter. The other one that they have is, you know, um, slow, smooth, smooth is fast. Slow, smooth, smooth is fast. Uh, and, and so th many different mantras. Um, and so the, 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 and so that's the, that allows to override the cortex and actually control what it's doing from the fear and from that input. And so, and then the last thing is actually, um, um, arousal control. Arousal, you know what that means? There's something gets triggered and, and then the, the, you know, the, the, the cortex gets overrun. You have all these chemicals. You have your heart beating out of your chest. You have your breath going faster. So what do you do? Arousal control is super important. Arousal control, the best way, that, so, so when they saw, <clears throat> and I'm going to go back to the week, the, the, the week where they, they were losing a lot of the Navy SEALs that were there to make it. And they were losing them mainly in the water part where people had to hold their breath. And the way they do it is that they put, they put the Navy SEALs um, that are trying to get into the Navy SEALs in the pool. And, of course, they have scuba dive gear. And, you know, they're all hooked up and everything. But the instructor comes and, let's say, he rips the tube out. Or he, like, 
takes their hose and like ties it somewhere or he hits uh, or, uh, you know they do different things of course it has evolved but they do different things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to trigger your amygdala's fear of death and if you've ever been in a pool and stayed longer than what you had to you know you know that this is like a terrifying thing right and so they realized that breath was actually one of the keys to get them and breath holding and breath training was actually one of the keys to build his mental toughness so um breath holding was actually one of the keys incredible and so the four things uh, that we talked about that the navy seals use to create this mental toughness program it actually increased their uh their traction from uh to from like one third to two thirds um passing the program of the of the initial navy seal uh week training you know that the, the tryout period and it was mainly through these four things goal setting mental rehearsal um so goal setting mental rehearsal uh goal setting mental rehearsal uh the other one is the um the rehearsal mental rehearsal and the other one is arousal control those four things were actually the ones that made them and one of them didn't work alone they both the all the four when they did the training that's what actually allowed the navy seals to uh or the people trying to get into the navy seals to increase their rate of uh, passing through that week and so when you're dealing with anxiety depression and mainly anxiety um you know that um you know that what's happening is that the amygdala is triggering a fear response and so when you put into perspective um what the navy seals do this is great first of all you do you know you reorient yourself to the new reality of what's happening the next thing is your goal set what are you focusing on and you focus on one thing to go uh, for it and then uh mental rehearsal right like going through it going through it going through it over and over again and then um you do self talk right what self talk is going to support uh the utilization of that fear trigger into something that's actually going to be positive for you and then the last thing is going to be arousal control and breath is the best way to do it and that's actually what was weeding most of the navy seals out when they have to train and they knew that they were you know when they figured they'd be drowning and they tapped out and one of the things that has helped me with this and seeing the importance of this and the effects of this is actually surfing uh and so for surfing once you start getting to the bigger waves you need to start doing uh breath holds and 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 training how far you can actually breath hold and so and and once you do that it, it gives a calmness once you you because you because your stomach is going to trigger <clears throat> your brain to try to breathe and when you override that <clears throat> there is this calmness that goes with that and you overcome almost that fear of death and in a way but every time you do it is like the same fear comes back and so definitely is like a training and a never ending training on that um and so very four important keys that you can use if you have anxiety look 
uh, the secret weapon that the, that the Navy SEALs use to override and to control people's fears, to, learn, to teach them how to control people's fears. And who better to learn from than the Navy SEALs? To incorporate into our own lives so that when shit's hitting the fan, we can actually like use what's happening. We can actually have a plan in our mind. Okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, so you can move forward. All right, everybody, this is the end of episode number 11 of Zulu Time. And we talked about the secret weapon used by the Navy SEALs that you can use for anxiety to help you overcome fears, to help you gain a little bit more control and feel empowered about your health and your mental health. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, depression and we're going to be delving deep into uh, how we can manage this. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions, be sure to let us know so that we can put them in the next episodes. And again, it's been a pleasure. Zulu time here and Dr. Z here. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day. Bye-bye.